And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is The Athletic Hockey Show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi. Hello. How are you? This is The Athletic Hockey Show, Tuesday Boys Edition. Sean Gentilly here with Max Boltman. He is once again taking the place of Deadbeat co-host Craig Custins, who is out for uh, reasons undisclosed. As always, I'm sure they're very appointment. Very appointment. It could be an appointment. I don't know. Whatever. I'm sure they're very important. Max. Hello. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm very good. Glad to be back. Glad to be back. I'm sure you're very psyched for our guest. It's a good one. It's Keith Jones, incoming president of the Philadelphia Flyers. Man, it's going to be weird watching TV broadcast in the United States without him because he's been part of that for, oh my goodness, when did OLN start? <laughs> I, I really actually, like, I think it's been my entire, like, conscious hockey I, I, watching. Can you remember watching hockey on TV without Keith Jones? I barely can. I'm 37. Yeah, right? I'm, like, he's I'm been 27. For, I, I don't think I can, so... I remember when he played, of course, because he, you know, there was some battles between the Flyers and the and the Penguins back in the day, and then of course before before that with the Caps. So I remember Keith Keith Jones was a player, but pretty close to the line. I think we found out. I think we found out where it is. If you're 30 or below, you don't remember watching hockey on TV in the states without without Keith, Keith Jones being a part of it. So it's going to be wild. 
Um, but I think that is a big part of what made him an attractive candidate for the Philadelphia Flyers. I think that's kind of the perspective that he's going to bring to that job. And we haven't talked to him yet. Here's a little peek behind the curtain. Typically, we record the interviews first and then record segment, segments one and three. Uh, but we're talking to Keith in a little bit, and I can guarantee you that that's going to be a part of it, right? Just like his history, not just as a TV guy either. He was a he hosted the morning show on WIP in Philly for years and years and years, on and on and on. The guy's had an interesting life, and I think he makes a little bit more sense in that role than some people are uh, willing to admit. So we're psyched to talk to Keith. We do have relevant games to talk about, Maxi. As of last night, the NHL Final Four is set. We saw the Stars beat the Seattle Kraken in Game 7. It makes it Vegas-Dallas in the Western Conference Finals. Of course, in the East, we have Carolina-Florida. That was set a couple days ago. We'll get to that in a second, but let's start with the West because that was the most recent game. Max, you watched you watched that one. I watched that one. Uh, let's talk about the Seattle Kraken for a second. Because their season's over. Year two. Hell of an effort last night. Unreal run in the postseason, honestly, that a lot of people, myself included, didn't... Mm, we'll say didn't think was possible. I think that's fair. I don't know if a lot of people were picking them to beat Colorado in, in, the, in the first round at all. What did you see from them over the last couple weeks and uh, what, what do you like about them moving forward? Because I, I think there is a ton of good stuff happening in Seattle. Well, it was kind of the the story of what the analytics community had expected in year one from them, right? Was that there there would be this assembled team that, okay, yeah, they didn't have huge star power at the top, but you can build this pretty efficient team overall with with all these, you know, good, maybe not super elite players. And from that, you know, you can build something. And in year one, that, that flopped completely. And in year two, they pretty much made happen what mm-hmm. what year one was always supposed to be. And I think it helped to obviously have Maddie Beneers uh, at age 20 there step in. But you saw the, the the complete team factor there. And night in and night out, that's what they were. And I think that's what they were through the playoffs. And I think in, in the Dallas series, you kind of saw both extremes. Like there was not really until last night that this was kind of true in the second round as a whole, honestly. But uh, that many close games or, or whatever, like you would have nights where they would be right on top of you, pretty, really good and, and mm-hmm. win by two or three goals. That have nights where they couldn't hang with Dallas. And yep. uh, in the end, I, I thought Dallas just kind of smothered them, took advantage of the fact that they didn't have that game breaker. But mm-hmm. you know what? They are as deep, I think, a, a third and fourth line as you're going to see. And um, they found a way to to push it that close against who I would now consider the, the cup favorite, the Stars. Totally. So I, you know what, I, I gotta, you gotta kind of tip your cap to him because it was, it was a very good season. And I think probably a, a gratifying one for that front office. Cause I assume they, their vision was something more like this too. Oh God, absolutely. And we've said it a million times because it's such a crazy stat. There's 13 players on that roster with at least 13 goals. It's Jared McCann who's at the top of 40, 12 guys between 13 and 24, right? Beniers, Beniers has the 24. Crazy deep lineup, clearly by design. A bunch of guys on that roster, uh, who who are you know major major contributors there, are really savvy moves. You know, Ron Francis jumped in, traded for Oliver Bjorkstrand, who 
scored 23 times with yep. the Blue Jackets and was only on the block, which is hilarious to think about in hindsight, was the only reason that Columbus needed to move him was because they kind of unexpectedly signed Johnny Gaudreau and then extended Patrick Liner, right? So they needed to move out some money. Francis jumped on that. He jumps on Ellie Tolvanen, who was, you know, who had an elite skill set or an elite skill. That dude has a rocket, right? He's got a cannon. Never fit with the Predators for whatever reason. They make a savvy waiver addition. Dude ends up scoring 18 goals in, in 16 games, right? Daniel Sprung, up and down the lineup. There's all these guys that fell out that roster that were savvy. I don't want to say database, but just like smart additions and the kind of players that smart teams add to fill out their lineup. We all, you know, we're talking about the lack of elite talent at the top. Again, I'm sure it's aggravating for Kraken fans to hear, but you know, it's true. You need, you need some game breakers. The good news for them moving forward is that Beniers is only going to get better. Jared McCann's going to, going to come back. I think the guy's a 40 goal scorer. I, I think he got waylaid a little bit in the playoffs, obviously by that, by that, Kale McCarr hit. He'll be back and, and ready to roll. We're expecting big things from Shane Wright. They're going to get a full season from Andre Burakovsky. So you are adding before you do anything, before you make a single move in free agency or or, or whatever, you are adding that top level or, you, or you're at least projected to add that top level talent, right? 21-year-old Matty Beneers is going to be better. Shane Wright is going to be relevant. Andre Burakovsky is going to be healthy. Those three guys account and in, 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 then you throw in Jared McKeon, who's a legit 40 goal scorer in, in the NHL. You mix in those guys at the top of the lineup and you're, and you're cooking with gas. You got something good going, right? So good stuff from Seattle. I did want to, and the one more player I, I want to mention, Max, we, we've talked about this before, I think on the show, maybe just off mic. Every couple years, we see a third pair defenseman that analytics loves and then just kind of flat, and, and it's like, yeah. okay, this guy is this guy is more to give, right? He should be in a first pair role, right? He should get big minutes, right? And a lot of times it doesn't work out because that guy is cast appropriately yeah. as a sheltered, you know, specialist on a third pair. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's the job that some guys are meant to have. And I thought coming into last season that Vince Dunn was that dude. He I would is. use him as the exact like example of that dude. I was skeptical. I was like, okay, this guy, you get him out of St. Louis, you play him against different comp- different competition and different minutes. I don't want to say he's going to get exposed, but he's not going to be, you know, the world beater that maybe the analytics above above all else at all times crew makes him out to be. Because we've again, we've I'm, we're not going to go into into names or detail or whatever, but that is not worked out with defensemen specifically in the past. Vince Dunn this year was unbelievable. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It, it used to be, in my eyes, you would have all these guys that people would hope were going to be the next Mackenzie Weegar mm-hmm. and would actually be what I would have literally probably said. I probably have said it on podcasts, actually just the next Vince Dunn. But now mm-hmm. Vince Dunn moved himself in the exact opposite end Vince of that conversation. Vince has moved himself up. Yep. He's in the Weegar class now. Yep. 64 points. Goals for what, like while on ice per sixty, just uh, unbelievably elite in, in that in that category. Seattle scored more than four per sixty with him on the ice. I looked this up last night. 
No defenseman who played more than 21 games with his team had a bigger number than that. Yeah. Matthias Ekholm was way, was way up there because, you know, the, the Oilers took off while, while ever he was in the lineup. And then other than that, it was a bunch of dudes who played six games, eight games, 11 games. And then overall, is Vince Dunn at, at, five, at number five, period. Not accounting for playing time or anything. Five, period. And he was number one among regular D-men by a mile. Yeah. And, take and, all that together. Yeah, go, go ahead. Well, no, I'm just and like, you know, if you want to, I'm sure there are people listening who are like, oh, analytics player still has good analytics, even though goals per 60, goals per 60, not really an analytic. That's just a team scoring a shitload of goals while this dude is on the ice. It's a he's plus doing, 28, Sean. Like, he's a plus 28 in 23 minutes a night. Like, the, I don't care about that stat, but if you're someone who does, that is bananas. <laughs> this dude helps his team score more goals than the opposition, better than any player, better than any defenseman in the league. It's yeah. wild. He's fantastic. And he's doing it also. I know we just sat there and said like, oh, got to make sure uh, like sheltered minutes, specialist, whatever. That is what's, is what's most impressive about all this. Vince Dunn is doing this from a first pair with Adam Larson playing brutal minutes. He's a great player. Yep. And I was skeptical about him. And maybe I shouldn't have been. I don't, I, you know, we stand by the original point, right? Which is that some guys are just in the role that they're, that they're supposed to be in, right? Vince Dunn was not one of those guys. He's fantastic. He's RFA coming off. He's, he's in his last, he's in his last RB, year. made $4 million the last two years. His contract's going to be really interesting, but Seattle has enough money to keep him around, improve around the margins and account for all this improvement that they've got coming elsewhere. So I love what they've done. I love how they're going to look moving forward. I love their placement in that division in the Pacific. Everything about Seattle's looking fantastic here. So shout out to them. Shout out to Seattle, one of the great cities, one of the great sports cities in, in North America. Because good shit's coming. Here's my question I'm, for I'm you. I'm happy to see it. Yep. So we, we've talked about Beneers and Wright on the way. I that is That should be most of what they need, right? It's, it's the two number one centers that we, we always talk about. You need to be a cup contender. Do you think they should be Eric Duhatchik and Mike Russo just came out with athletic trade mm-hmm. board one point the other day. There's a ton of scoring wingers on there. How big of a player should Seattle be for those guys? Knowing that if, if they need, I think Burakovsky is a big part of the answer there, mm-hmm. but how big, how big in on those guys should they be knowing that if they need something, it's probably in that, in that vein, just like someone who can give you a goal seemingly out of nowhere. Yeah, they could use, they could use another one. Most teams could use another one, right? And the thing about them is great. Is, yes, Dunn's contract is going to be interesting, but they have $18 million in cap space, even accounting for him. And they don't have a ton of guys, you know, I, what I feel bad for, for, for Eunice Donskoy, right? But he's, you know, he's probably their biggest UFA and he's, uh, and his career is in jeopardy because of, of concussion stuff. So they have money to spend. They don't have a ton of guys outside of Dunn to really worry themselves about. So if it does get to a point where, you know the the cap is the cap is still relatively flat. There's going to be teams out there that are looking looking to shed maybe. So yeah, they should be in every single discussion for for uh, for wingers on the market because this is a win now team. You know, like this is like they're 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 good. We can say that. You know, without reservation, we can look at what's coming down the pike for them and say that say that they're going to be better. You know, big question mark with Philip Grubauer still, but whatever. You, you eat what's on your plate. Yep. So they're. They're in good shape. I think they should be in on 
in on everybody, right? Is there any is there any name at the top of the of the of the Russo Dehagic list that you know sticks out for you and them and uh, in, in them in particular? I, that's what I was trying to think. You know, I, I think it's the ones who are going to stick out for most teams, though, right? Like it's like mm-hmm. it's it's brinket. I'm sure, like you know, every team's going to want a Nylander. I actually don't know that that's the place I would throw Nylander in, but you know. I, it, that's the kind of guy though, right? Like it, it is another kind of 40 goal score. Cause I, as much as I believe in Jared McCann, I do think it's possible. We just saw his best For season. Sure. No, we saw, we saw peak Jared McCann. Yeah. Right? And that's okay. And if he goes down to 31 goals, no one's going to say all of a sudden he's not a good player, but all, then I do think you still need, you know, a foil to that. A guy, another guy who can give you at least 30. Cause I don't know if you're going to get 12 forwards scoring double digit goals every single year, as much as that's the, been the design at some point, you you are going to need a little more at the top just to be a year in, year out. Totally. And if it's not one of those super duper top end guys, you know, there's still some interesting names on on that on that list, right? Like totally, Ross Colton would be a guy who would fit in, uh, yeah, perfectly totally. with what they've done. Connor Connor Garland, yeah, you know, he's he's not he's not a game breaker, but he also plays a he also plays in a way that fits what they're doing. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to take, I, I know this is like, this is an outdated example, but you don't want to say like, Hey, uh, Mike Hoffman, like go yes. play, go play for this. Yeah. That's not going to work. But a guy like Connor Garland, who's certainly 20 or 25 goal capable, he's a really good five on five player. You add him to the mix. And and I think, I think they could be, I, they could be, uh, like I said before, cooking with gas. I love what they're doing. So anyways, we can move on. Yeah. We, don't need, we don't need it. We don't need to spend. Well, let's go to the winners, right? 45 I mean, minutes. We need it. Uh, talking about a team that just lost the stars, the Dallas stars. We saw it again last night. Dallas stars, secondary scoring. My goodness. What a world we live in, Maxi. They're the most complete team left. You know, I mean, it, it, and <laughs> yep. there's some, it is going to be an interesting final four as much as people are going to complain about, it's not the big markets and maybe it's not the the very pinnacle stars of the league. Although I do think Jack Eichel and Matthew Kachuk getting their first taste of the spotlight is good for the sport to broaden that spotlight. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but I, you know, Dallas is so complete. Uh, they've got that, you know, they, they have the Jason Robertson's, the Miro Haskin, who, by the way, I think, I don't know if he hit 32 last night, but he was very close to 32 <laughs> minutes. He did top his game four for sure. Uh, and, and budding star Rupe Hens, who, you know what, in these playoffs, if Dallas wins it, I think he's your con's my favorite through two rounds. Brother, I just filled out a little prediction, updated prediction sheet for the athletic, and I'll let you guess who my, who yep. my, uh, who my predicted con's my winner was. Shout out to Haley Salvian, by the way, who had Rupe Hens as her con's my winner from the jump. Wow. Which, smarter than both of us, I guess. What do you think about the about the conference final matchups? Just overall, like what? Do, I, I think they're going to be good this, series. This is a this is a leading question because because I, I want to talk about the dialogue yeah. <laughs> surrounding them for the last for, for for the last few days. But how excited are you personally for this? Very. I think they're going to be really good series. You know, I, I, of course, I would have liked to see Connor McDavid on this stage, but I think in terms of play style, in terms of construction these are going to be such good series to watch i think they're going to i think i almost see no way they end before six games which uh, now that i've jinxed them they're going to be two sweeps but uh they should you're talk- be you're, talk- very you're talking even. you're talking to the guy by the way that said uh i think the edmonton oilers are the the cup favorite 
then they went out and lost two straight. So the show is the jinx. So sorry, Dallas, I guess. But humiliated me. I didn't. I don't even know if I said that on the show. I I wrote it from Edmonton. I got suckered. I got suckered because I I watched them pre playoffs. I think I probably. I think I probably picked them last round too. (sighs) I watched. I I picked them to win the conference at the start of it, and I picked them picked them to win every series. And then after game game four, where you saw them, you know, they they turned it. I thought they turned into a good enough five on five team to make that work. I was I was mistaken. But it's Ottinger is the best goalie left in the playoffs, oh, 100%, 100%. right? 100%. And I think Heiskanen maybe. I mean, it, it's it's going to be – It there's a good D on every team now, right? Like an elite D on every team. No surprise. There always is. I think I'd argue for him as the best D left in the playoffs. I, I certainly would, you know, Slavin, Ekblad, Petrangelo, all awesome. But I think I'd argue him as the number one. And this kind of goes back. I think what we saw from them in the series goes back to what we talked about with the Kraken. And part of the reason that people were skeptical of Seattle really from the jump is that you have elite players being elite players, right? Like like they, they don't win that series without Hints or Haskinen at the top of their game. But Dallas has done this without getting much in the way of production from Jason Robertson. Yep. And that's crazy. If yep. you would have said a year ago, Dallas is going to the conference finals despite J- – and oh, by the way, uh, Jason Robertson didn't score a goal in the series that led up to that. You People would have laughed at you because that's yep. just the way they were last year and even the year before that. Just a really a top-heavy team that that relied way too much on, on, on the production from that line. And now, because you have Hints going into, you know, S-tier freakazoid mode, he's been he's obviously been fantastic. You have guys like Wyatt Johnson and Evgeny Dodonov and role player Jamie Ben and, and and all these guys that are providing meaningful minutes, even if it's not always in the way of goals. That's why they're here, right? That's why the stars are here. And it's been it's been it's really been fun to watch because it's always fun to watch a team that has very obvious weaknesses, right? Weaknesses that are ob- that are clear enough for me or you or even Craig. To sniff out and say, you're like, all right, this is where they need to get better. With Dallas, it was always clear. And then they went out and did it. They went out and did it. They, they added the Donov. They added, they added Max Domi. Relevant pieces that came up big, and that's why they are where they are. You make the Jamie Benn role player line, but it's it's so true. Dal- okay, this is, this, is, this is the true statement. Dallas is getting badly needed secondary scoring from their two highest paid players, right? <laughs> Tyler Sagan looks as good as he's looked in years. He should have had two goals last night. He was outstanding. And in this new kind of 17-ish minute a night role, uh, these two guys are, are thriving. Ben's probably playing a little bit more than that, but mm-hmm. it's not by much, right? And, and this is where they, this is the role they should be playing at this point in their career. They're allowed to because of how good that first Dallas line is. And they're giving him exactly what they need. You know, I think they're both not at point per game, but not too far below point per game, these playoffs. Mm-hmm. And if you're that and you're the two highest paid players and you're the two best players, you got problems. But if you're that and you're the secondary, you got you got totally happy solutions. I don't know. What's the what's the opposite happy of problems? Solution. No, just happy. Happy <laughs> <Yeah>. solutions. <laughs> Beautiful, loving solutions. I feel like Bob Ross we got happy solutions. Beautiful. Today. Uh, let's, put, let's put some happy little solutions on the page. With some Arctic white. Uh, yeah, I mean, to Tyler Sagan, it needs to be said every time we talk about this guy. 
he had as serious a hip injury as you as you could possibly have as a hockey player, right? And he's a year removed. He's a year. He's removed from that. He's rehabbed that. All sort of kinetic chain stuff went bad with him, whereas his quad muscle was just wasted. Saad Yusuf has written about this extensively. Like he's covered it really, really well. It wasn't going to happen overnight for him. If it, if it ever was going to happen, it sure as shit wasn't going to be in the span of six months or nine months. Now we're seeing Sagan a couple years out from that injury, just looking looking unbelievable. All right, let's do a quick quick ranking, but before we, before we get to Keith Jones, who are the t- what team has the edge in old guys without a cup? I think it's clear to me. It's clear. There's a certainly certainly a clear one and two. Well, Pavelski at the top has to be. Uh, he's the he's the number one seed. Can he carry your whole team to it? I think he probably can, right? <laughs> Suter, Suter w- without a cup, right, too? Yeah. Yeah, so Suter, it's Dallas. Jamie Benn? Oh, jeez, of course. <laughs> it's a it's a no-brainer. Yeah, wow. Car- Carolina is in second. They've got Burns. relevant dudes for the conversation. Burns, Stastny, um... I mean, there's, you know, there's a, a, fa- a fair amount of... I mean, I, I know we don't want to talk about, you know... Jacob Slavin, like he's like he's old, yeah, he's old or anything. But like these guys, you start you start around. you start you start playing a bunch of years. You start getting thirty and into your thirties, like stuff rolls up on you pretty quickly. As yep. I can, as I can say, uh, number three is it's got to be Florida, right? Vegas isn't old enough. I guess they're, it's they're Florida. The, yeah, I guess it's Florida. Um. Bobrovsky, I guess, is is the top old guy without a cup. Again, this is these are this is stuff that just Mark Stahl's been around the block. I think he, you know, does yeah, Gudis have a cup? Who cares if Mark yeah. Stahl gets a cup? Well, okay, fair. Uh, does Gudis have one? Gudis, uh, no, no, he's, he's, not, he's not that old. Wait, I guess. wait a second. We we got it. We got to check this because he's been he's been so cup adjacent for most of his career, whether it's with the. With the with the caps and in, in the lightning, uh, producer Jeff no, says he does no, not. he does not. No, he does not. No, he does not. He was boy. He was only in the caps in nineteen twenty. That was that was, it was only and he's one. He's thirty two. I think that's old enough. Eleven year career. You get to be an an, an whack for that, right? <laughs> Vegas is short. Vegas is short here. It's Marchessault's their best bet, right? He's the he's same deal. Thirty two. He's been around. I can't sign off on that. <laughs> It's 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 Stone. It's Stone, even though even though he's not as old as Mark So because a Mark Stone looks old. He's looked yeah. like he was thirty five for the last twenty years. And B, he's got the back injury. What is more like old old dude caliber? I think skating around there with a with a sore back. You're discriminating against Marcheso for being too handsome here, Sean. That's that's what's that, happening I, I here. Think that, I think that is it. Boy, he's a great quote too. Yeah, I didn't really I didn't really know that about him until. Until the last week, he's a he's a blast. All right, I think that does it for us here. I think that does it for us talking about actual hockey teams that are playing relevant games. It's time to move on to the Philadelphia Flyers. It's time to move on to our discussion with Keith Jones. I'm sure he's going to be great because he always is. Enjoy. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We are psyched to bring in incoming Flyers president, also a proud alum of the Harvard of the Midwest, Western Michigan, Keith Jones. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, John, and uh, really happy to be able to join you guys today. It's a beautiful, sunny day here in Philadelphia, and uh, yeah, just ready to continue to get things started here as we try to get back on track with the Philadelphia Flyers. So today seems like, I saw, you know, you, you mentioned uh, when you jumped on, you just talked to WIP for a really long time, the, the, big, uh, the big sports talk station there. Saw you jumped on with Sirius earlier. You're making the media rounds. It's something that you're that you've certainly got a lot of experience doing on on both ends. Uh, is this like the big day for that? Do you just have like interviews like blocked out for the next uh, for the next six hours here? Is it is out today? Is the, today is a lot of that. I'm actually <laughs> flying back down to Florida in a, a few. Um, you know, we still have our home there. We're we're in the process of obviously moving back, but we had just moved down about a year and a half ago. Uh, our daughter's an equestrian, and my wife wanted to be closer to her, and I can kind of, with the previous jobs that I had, jump all over the place. So we had just settled in there, so you can be sure that, um, you know, that was an emotional move going down there, and now it's going to be a, a really happy emotional move heading back as we uh, get readjusted and head back to Philadelphia. So there's just a lot of other things to take care of, including finishing the playoffs with TNT. So I'm, I'm heading to Carolina tomorrow to meet up with Edzo and Kenny and, and the rest of the oh, crew and get ready for what should be a, should be a great Eastern conference final. <laughs> I was going to ask about that. I wasn't sure if you were still on the schedule for the rest of this. So you, so you have, you have more games coming up. Good God. Take a break. Come on. You have two jobs now. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I know. But those guys have been so great to me and I'm, it's always good to finish what you start. So I'm, I'm happy that, uh, you know, both the Flyers and TNT are, uh, want me to do it. So I'm going to go do it, have fun with the guys that have been so instrumental in allowing me to gain the knowledge that I have to hopefully move on and do a nice job here in Philadelphia. We were talking in the intro, you know, there's going to be people out there, Flyers fans out there who have only known you their whole lives and, you know, in their, in their mid twenties now, uh, who haven't, who haven't known you as anything but the TV personality. I'm curious, like, like, when you were making this decision to, to make this jump, like, did you just have the itch to kind of have a stake in the game again? Or was it about the flyers specifically? Like what made you want to do this now? Yeah, it was, it was only the flyers. Uh, this was the only team that I would ever considered it. And uh, when one of their, you know, guys on the team that was searching out, one of the search team members reached out and just asked if I had interest. I thought about it for, literally about 10 seconds. And my answer was yes, but this is the only place that I would have ever attempted to go through the interview process and eventually become the president of the team. Uh, nowhere else. This was it. I love doing my job in television and radio. And I've been so fortunate to have opportunities after my career ended 
and took advantage of those opportunities. So I'm in a place in my life where I can take a chance and uh, I'm going to do that. It's an educated opportunity. I think the team has potential to turn around. I was a little bit more concerned two years ago than I am after last season with John Tortorella. So I think timing can be everything in life. And I think in this case, it certainly came into play. It, it is an interesting, like, you know, look window you get, you know, or, or had gotten at the league from your previous spot um, to, to now going in and, you know, having a few days to kind of get the lay of the land. And like you said, observing, you know, life under torts here this last year. But how do you feel differently about what the challenges are there and, and, and how equipped you guys are to handle them just a couple of days onto the job here? Yeah, I feel good about it. Like the more I dig into it and the more discussions I have with Danny Briere, the more impressed I am with him. Um, I'm really confident that he's got what it takes to be the general manager of the Flyers. This is a unique city. Uh, we're in a, a unique position. We have a chance to build this thing back. And uh, I think uh, Danny is perfect in that regard. I always appreciated <clears throat> the fact that he chose to come here as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, that's at a time where he could have gone pretty much anywhere. He made my job easier doing television by being mm -hmm. here. Um, his style of play was not necessarily what the Flyers were known for. Uh, he's a really talented but smaller player that you know, had the heart of a champion underneath all of that, his boyish looks. There's no question that he was ultra competitive. Uh, the fact that he stayed here, studied to become a general manager, obviously made a ton of money. He didn't need to do this. Uh, but he put the work in because he has a passion for it. And I think that's going to serve us well moving forward. Um, really looking forward to seeing what he can do with, with this team as uh, we all kind of embark on this uh, unusual situation with three guys that are going to be really involved in getting this team back on the right track. I thought Daniel Hilford, he said something interesting a few days ago. He's the, he's the Comcast uh, Spectacore chairman about Briere. He said, you know, I mean, I look, he'd been the interim he'd been in the interim role for a little bit, so so they knew what they were get knew what they were getting, but he also said that there was like no need for a search, right? Like that's how uh all in he is on Danny Briere as the GM. We know he was a great player. We know like I, I think you made a great point by saying that he didn't need to come to Philly, he chose to come to Philly. I think I think that's important. But also at, at, like what have you seen from him? over the last couple months that makes him the guy from a GM standpoint, as, as it certainly seems like he is. Number one, he just has a, a very keen sense of what this organization needs moving forward. Uh, he knows where some changes need to be made because he's come up through the system. He's, he's really watched everything. He's interacted with uh, those in our organization that are making key decisions. Uh, we have, you know, a really big job in front of us and our amateur scouting is going to be gigantic in mm -hmm. this process, probably bigger than any other department that we have. He's very familiar with all of those guys, what they do, what they uh, represent, what their strengths are, uh, and maybe in some cases what their weaknesses are. Um, I, I trust that he's been very thorough in his evaluation uh, because of his inside look at what's going on here. Um, that that gives me great confidence that he's going to do a, a outstand an, an outstanding job. Uh, he has a good relationship with John Tortorella. They two gentlemen respect one another. I think that's really important. They're open uh, for dialogue between the two of them and myself. 
And the, the number one goal is to create an environment of, account- of accountability that really serves what we want to do here for the city of Philadelphia, our fans, and obviously the organization moving forward. He gets it. He knows what it is and what it takes and what we're looking for. And I have similar thoughts in that regard. But I also like the fact that he sees the game differently than I did as a player. And I think having multiple different ways to you know, view players and teams and organizations, I think it's important to have a lot of different, not a lot of different viewpoints, but a few different viewpoints mm-hmm. that can make this ultimately be what we're looking for. So obviously, you know, with, with your reputation, with, with your contact list that you're going to bring to this, like, I, I wonder how, how much do you see that uh, as something you can bring to, to Danny in this job? He's stepping into this and obviously he's been in the front office here, but you're going to have a, a, uh, a, a list of connections in the franchise around the league. And how much of that do you think kind of you can help maybe bridge some of those divides for, for him and, and maybe make the process smoother, I think? Yeah, I, I think there's a big part of that to this. So th- that's a big component of what I can, in some ways, help Danny with. And I'm going to do whatever I can to help him in any situation. I'm there for him. I made that clear to him and at the press conference that when Danny needs something, I'm going to do my best to make sure that that happens and support him with his decisions. So uh, I have some people I can introduce him to that I'm you know, very much um, in tune with that I've known a long time, uh, some that I grew up with and some that I played with and some that I've met through doing my job in television uh, on a national level. I think all of those relationships matter. I think we want to build on those relationships together. And I think we want to do it in an honest way where if we are making trades, we want it to be trades that are good for both teams uh, and then, therefore, we'll be able to trade with that club again in the yeah. future. So we want to build relationships with the, you know, the men that have worked so hard to mm-hmm. build their own teams. I think it's really important. You guys do have some hires to make, right? You have a, you have a front office to to build out. Um, how involved do you expect to be in those in those kind of moves? The the AGM moves specifically, and I'm just wondering is there is there any specific you know, skill set or personality type or, or whatever that you're that you're looking for in, in those roles specifically. Yeah, I, I Danny will be, you know, the number one person in and building out his staff. Uh, he's gonna have to, you know, build a staff that he trusts, that he recognizes are going to have big roles in helping us get to where we need to go. Um, I'll have input, but I'm gonna let him for the most part choose you know, what direction he goes with and the type of people that he gets in those positions based upon his experience of over the last, you know, half a dozen years or more of kind of the inner workings of an organization. I think he has a very good feel for that. Um, I trust that he's going to do a great job in hiring the right people. Uh, we want to get this right. And we want the right people to help us get there. And it's going to take hiring the right people from the outside or from within. And I think Danny's the right guy to kind of ultimately decide who, in fact, he's going to go with to make sure that we get this thing in the right place. What are the front offices kind of around the league that you've you know noticed over the past decade and a half or so and se- and kind of said, okay, these are the ones I'm kind of going to draw inspiration on. I really liked how they ran from, you know, what interactions you were able to have kind of with them. Yeah, I'm a big David Poyle fan. Um, grew up under him in Washington, 
I've always loved the way he built his teams. Uh, was hoping he'd win the cup in Nashville going back a few years ago when it, he had his you know best shot of doing that. He also did a great job in building the Washington Capitals. He, he has a formula. It has not brought him ultimate success, but it's made him very successful and the teams that he's been around have been very good teams. Um, so I, I take a lot from what I learned from him, how he acted, the type of gentleman that he was, uh, what it was like to play for him, how much you appreciated and did not want to let him down because of the great things he did for you. Uh, Pierre Lacroix took a lot from mm. Pierre and my time in Colorado, ultimately the way he treated his players, um, how he built championship teams, uh, the talent that he brought together and managed and a lot of different personalities. Uh, those are two of the guys that really jump off the page. And of course, Bobby Clark in my time here in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. Paul Holmgren as well. Uh, those two gentlemen have done a lot in their careers as well. And I guess those would be some of the guys that I would be you know, looking to as far as looking back on what they had accomplished and what they had done in my eyes firsthand in front of me. Mm -hmm. I thought an inter interesting part last week uh, when, when, when they introduced you guys, Torts and, and Hilferty both uh, kind of unprompted, honestly, sort of seemed like they were trying to address people who might have been looking for a fresh start, right? Involving people who, who maybe didn't have ties uh, is is strong tie is strong a tie to the organization is is maybe you and you you and Briere do torts I mean torts said directly like why do people think that they're diseased was what was the quote which <laughs> yeah. is of course like right that's just like perfect per perfect torts right right there uh, and I I don't I you know I don't want <laughs> throwing that aside I there might be a middle ground here right where people who don't see like an inherent problem with 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 bringing on Flyers alum like that but they're also maybe a little skeptical of the concept you know, business as usual because of, you know, the, the hard times that the franchise has fallen on in the last little bit. So what do you say to those people who are like, not, they're not anti, they're not against, they're not against the concept, but they, they are, you know, their eyebrows raise a, a little bit when they do bring in, you know, the uh, p people who are as, as close to it as, as you and Danny have been. Yeah, I, I would say this is different, um, different in multiple ways, but number one, and the way the three of us are going to work as a, a triumphant, uh, mm -hmm. We are going to work together. John Tortorella is going to have a lot to say about uh, player personnel. He's going His opinion is going to be heard. Uh, I appreciate what he brings and his knowledge of the game and the way he holds his players accountable. I'm a fan, so I always have been. And I know him personally. I know him away from the game. I know he's a good man. And that's important. Um, so there is differences. You know, Danny did a lot of his, you know, playing in different cities. Uh, he wasn't just the Philadelphia mm -hmm. Flyer, but like we mentioned earlier, it's an important part of who he is. And one of the big things that I appreciate him most is he knows the area. This is a unique city. This is not an easy place. This is a tough place. And you have to have thick skin and you have to have a willingness to try to do what's right at every turn. You're going to be held accountable. Um, we, we recognize that. We welcome that. We want to prove to our fans that we're doing this for them. Uh, this is not us. This is not my team. This is our team. And that's the message that we're going to get across to them. My, some of my best friends in hockey come from different places than here. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned David Poyle, uh, my relationships with Dale Hunter from Washington, Craig Berube in Washington, uh, Rick Tockett. 
throughout the league. You know, players like Scott Mellenby, Mellenby that are in that same, you know, group of friends that we have. Uh, Colorado with Joe Sackick, who was one of the first people I talked about this particular position, being a president. Uh, Chris Drury was there with me in Colorado for a short time. Know him well. Tom Fitzgerald, Colorado. We played together there as well. Uh, there's a lot of avalanche connections uh, that I've really. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I sense a, I sense a theme developing here with a bunch of those names, right? Those are those are great yeah. guys to, to to have around. Yes, they are, and they are great friends too. So, you know, we all want to see each other succeed, except when we're playing one another. But I'm glad to be back in the picture of playing them again. Uh, I haven't won and lost in a long time, unless I said the wrong thing. Uh, <laughs> it was the only loss I could get. And fortunately, <laughs> I made it through that so far. So I'm going to try to win some games now and have some fun doing it. But at the same time, live through the agony of defeat, go home and not sleep at night because of it and try to fix it. So that's that's the plan on my end. I, I got to think that's part of the appeal, right? Like having some, having some skin in the game there to, to have these games, you know, fire you up. Maybe not quite in the same... Uh, you know, visceral way you would as a player, but uh, you know, I'm sure there will be, you know, real stakes here for you. There, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, there is obviously risk to doing this, um, because losing sucks and Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Didn't like it when I played, but I want to make sure that we're in a position where we're winning a lot more at some point with patience, uh, hopefully the near future, but the ultimately the players will decide that. But we want to build something where we're contending for a long time, like some of the great franchises around the league, you know, including the Boston Bruins and the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Red Wings for a long time, the Avalanche have done it. You know, the you don't have to look far to understand which teams have been the most successful. And we're going to, you know, try to model ourselves after some of those elite teams that have done it the right way. And we want to make sure that we're doing all the research and hard work that we can to get this team in that place. I wanted to bring it back to Philly specifically, because you know, from because that's a it's a one of a kind place. We know this from the outside. It, it did feel like there was a need to almost reconnect the franchise with the fan base or the city because of. I mean, we saw we saw the anger, right? We, it was next level e- even for Philly. I, I think in some regards, um, is that something you saw? Is that something you felt that there was that need to kind of reinforce? you know, maybe the city's, the city's faith in, in, in the team or the franchise, because it seemed like it was on the wane there, honestly, for a bit. Yeah, it was, um, there was a lot of apathy. It was not Mm -hmm. a good situation. You know, it's, uh, not where you ever want to be in a sport like hockey in a major U S city where Mm -hmm. you can be forgotten about. Um, and that's what was happening here. So there's a responsibility that we all have, to make sure that we keep this team interesting, uh, that we share with our fans the plan that we have moving forward. Uh, We're not trying to save our jobs this year. We're trying to make this team better. And I think that's something that if we're honest with our fans, that they will buy into as long as we keep them informed and visually show them that we're backing up our words. So that's kind of the way that I view it. Um, but we have not been an important team in this city for a while. And we've got some good teams in this city. You know, the Sixers mm-hmm. just disappointed again, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The Eagles have, are the model. The Eagles do it right. They have a similar cap situation to what we have. Uh, they have plenty of resources to work 
you know, around their cap and make sure that their team is a desirable place for people to arrive at. They've drafted extremely well, used the, those resources to make sure they've built up a very competent staff, whether through analytics studies or, you know, through their amateur scouting system. You know, they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. Has it ever been a better pick than that? Uh, we need to make some of those picks. We need a Braden Point in the third round. We need, we need that. So the Eagles are who we want to be. Uh, we will never share the spotlight with them, but we mm-hmm. would much rather be in their shadow than forgotten about. And that's what we're working to turn around here. So it sounds like it sounds like you. I mean, you you guys said this last week. You're saying it now. You're in it for the long haul, right? This seems like it's. You know, no, no, nobody wants to say rebuild. That's always, that's always a tough, that's always a tough, a, a tough word to utter. But this sounds like it's, it's going to be a process, right? And is that, and it seems like it's something that the fans no are, are, are willing to, are, are, are willing and ready to, to accept. Yeah, we, we, we have no choice. Mm-hmm. So we, we know that we know we have to build this thing back up. I mean, that's there's no doubt, and we have to have a direction, and we have to stay with the plan. And we've got a plan. We know what we're looking for. Uh, we have a, you know, an opportunity to make things right. It's a great opportunity. I'm excited about it. Uh, I know that Danny and Torts are as well. I appreciate what Torts has done in getting this team started back in the right direction. And we're going to do our part to, you know, provide him with the tools necessary to allow him to guide us into that place. Um, that's the plan. And, um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to reiterate it and we're going to back it up. And make sure that uh, we do our best to get this right. I think there's a lot of people out there that are that are really happy to hear stuff like this coming from someone in your in your position for sure. Um, Keith, thanks for the time. What's so okay? So your what's your schedule for the for the Eastern Conference Final? How, how many times are we going to see on on TV here potentially? Yeah, so I'll be I'll be there in the Florida Carolina series until it's over, and then I'll be at the final. So um, looking forward to seeing everybody that I've worked with. So you know for so many years i didn't have a chance to like you know enjoy some great hockey and you know make sure we bring it to the fans they deserve it and the players that are playing have done a great job to get to the final four it's great it makes you one of the best thanks for the time keith i appreciate it guys thanks so much have a great day you too see you guys great stuff from keith as advertised dude is a born communicator i think it's almost like he's worked in tv and radio for the last quarter (laughs) of a century right Yes. No, he was outstanding. I mean, you can, you can really see why people like him and, and why the Flyers like him. And, and I think he will be a really good uh, blend with Danny Briere. And I think, you know, I, well, ultimately it's as much as we think about building the team as being building the, the literal locker room, the mm-hmm. bench, whatever, building the team in the front office is every bit as important. You got to have different voices. You got to have different perspectives. You got to have different eras. It's, mm-hmm. it's all of it. I think it's really clear that this is the Danny Briere show in Philly. He's going to like for better or worse, like this, this team is going to have his stamp, whether it's the Keith told us he's, he's responsible for for hiring the, the AGMs. You know, he, they trust, they trust him. They like what he brings to the table. And I think that makes sense as a model. You know, if you trust that guy, let him build it out, give him the keys and a guy like Keith Jones can be the connected tissue between hockey ops and business ops. It makes sense. Like, I, I know people are, seemed skeptical at the start of it, and I don't and I don't blame them because not a lot has gone right in Philly over the last bunch of years. But man, it sounds like the model is going to have a chance to work there. Also, he said rebuild. He was fine. 
don't know if and, he actually, I don't know if he literally said rebuild, but that but that's coming. Like like he 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 knows it. They're ready for it. And he has no ambiguity about what, you know, he he None. wants to to make Danny's job easier, right? That's what he is coming mm-hmm. in as his vision. It, it sounds like he's fully on board with that. I, to me, you know, he said it was only Philly. Like, I think these are the things that you want mm-hmm. to hear. F- from a um, Philly guy. Exactly. And it, it, it shows you that it's his passion. He is doing this because he wants to, <laughs> uh, you know, he wants to make this work for the organization. And he's. Uh, he's pissed about he's pissed about the Sixers. Like what's <laughs> yes. what's more what's more Philly than that? He's he's frustrated he's frustrated by them just like just like anybody else. Yep. Good stuff. No. Good stuff. Good stuff from Keith. And, I, and again, like doing stuff like this, jumping on with with goof with goofballs like us, doing TV with you know whatever. He's he's spending week, like we talked all day doing media appearances. That is why you hire Keith Jones. You don't. It's all wanna, stuff that. Breer doesn't let, have to do. That's one thing that Danny Breer doesn't have to do. Let him figure out who he wants to hire for his AGMs. Let him scout players. Let him do whatever else. Let Keith be the front man for the organization. Talk to the media. He does it better than anybody. He remains part of the media for the time being, by yes. the way. Just let him, let him cook. This makes sense. I'm sold. That's yeah, his job. No. That's his job to sell people like us. And he's, and he's good at it. Oh, Absolutely. we're suckers. We're suckers. We just talked to Keith Jones for 15 minutes. We're like, yeah, okay, go Flyers. <laughs> we'll be back with the only good segment on the show. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big juicy investment. That's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. This is the only good segment on the show. So when we dive into the comment section on the episodes, as hidden in the depths of the athletic app, Max, you know how to do this. You open the app, you click listen, you click NHL, you find the you find the show cover, scroll around until you see whatever. Blah 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 blah. This is them commenting. I was about to I was about to start phrasing these questions like they were commenting on an episode that featured me and Craig. Uh, but it didn't because this is your second straight week. 
So they're they're commenting on episodes now that feature that feature the two of us. I think that's I think that's the way it should be. We talked to Will Smith last night or last week. This is what folks are reacting to. Max, we talked about someone brought up how there should be like uh, the Russo army and asking if there are any other any other uh I remember this, writers yeah. writers that had like fandoms following them basically or or fan armies. Andy S has an easy one here. Has an easy suggestion. I think Shayna Goldman has enough of a following to be known as Shayna's gold men. And they are all reply guys. Like it is it is perfect. Oh, we love reply guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh baby that's like truly that's like one of the only good concepts that we've gotten out of twitter generally is the overall idea of of a reply guy who just you know kisses ass and feels the need to weigh in and and praise and praise people at every at every possible turn i guess there can be negative and positive reply guys yeah there's like the explain your own joke back to you reply guys (laughs) there's the i feel like Shayna has a lot of the like negative ones too where they're you know uh-huh. She'll, you know, watch the games because she does so much data yeah. stuff. And yeah, cause she's, cause she's, cause she's a woman who writes about hockey. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and she has the, the podcast. So I think, uh, I think her, her following certainly should have a name. Is it the gold men? The gold that's men? That's the only question. I mean, Max that's is, Andy's suggestion. Max is Boltman. <laughs> My Boltman. Yeah. <laughs> Bob M. I wish you wouldn't have edited out the part of the Will Smith interview where he yelled, keep Austin Matthews name out your mother effing mouth and then slap Sean in the face. Please, re- please release a subscriber only bonus content. Thanks and sorry. Yeah, I know. Was, we don't want to get Will in trouble. We were in the same. We had, that, that's the other funny thing about the interview. We were in the same room. It was crazy. I know it didn't sound like it. He was sitting across from me. It's cracked me. Can't we, love, we, we love Will Smith jokes. We love Will Smith name jokes in 2023. Still can't believe that happened. Shauna M is talking about we 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 spoke for a little bit about uh, the Blackhawks winning the Bedard lottery. This this seems like it happened like last month to me. Now I've right. This, this seems like it happened a really long time ago. I don't know if that was just because I was working because I was working that series in Edmonton and stuff. But that seems like something that happened uh, sometime in the last six to eight weeks. Uh, Shauna says she hopes Bedard says I refuse to play for them. This is the one time I won't blame the player for saying, nope, not not going to happen. That's not going to uh, happen. Uh, That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> not going to happen. Will never happen again in hockey. No. Er, er, Eric Lindros was, uh, was, was, was one, one of a kind. Yeah. As someone who's spoken to Eric Lindros at length, he remains one of a kind too. I offended slurms by saying that people didn't know what getting mossed was. He says Max is going to try to tell me Griffey isn't cool next episode. I would never try to tell you that. Right. Griffey's very cool. Man, I will try to tell you. Unfortunately, don't ask your 11 year old if they know who Griffey is. <laughs> Can you? It's okay. So if you don't remember Keith Jones playing hockey, you definitely don't remember Pete Ken Griffey Jr. No, but there's enough highlights of like Sports Center top ten and like whatever. Do you remember right? him? Pl- do you, okay, sure. But do you remember him playing on the Mariners or do you remember no. playing on the Reds? Reds, oh, yes. Horrendous. <laughs> okay. Oh, hide a pair of Ken Griffey shoes. Each, each early Ichiro is to me the Mariners. Like my childhood Mariners oh. was like early Ichiro. You know what's you know what sucks about about conversations like this? It's not even that. It's not even that you're that you're young. 
because you're you're almost thirty. Like yeah. you've been you, right. Like you're you're there. You're getting. I'm you're about getting as old, old as you were when old, we first you're met. <laughs> you're getting old like the rest of us. It's that I am now like I, I can't even hang I can't even hang with the dudes who are getting old. That's how old I am. Like there's nothing there's nothing young about being like oh I remember Ichiro on on the Mariners. It happened twenty years ago. Do you remember uh, you, you weren't in the office that often at Sporting News? But Adi Joseph used to flame me because uh, we were doing we were having a conversation something to this effect, and I guess I said something to the effect of like I have like vague memories of nine eleven. And he let me hear that one about every day for the rest of my that's where internship. That's where, that's where we're at. Not all of us were in high school when, when shit like that happened. I was in Rob- first grade. Yuck. Robert S. <laughs> says, a proud member of the Gary Bettman focus group, I can report we all agree that it's great an original six team won the lottery, which is weighted, so they had no reason to tank. Many of us had tears in our eyes as the card flipped that night. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know... One or two big reasons to be angry that the that the Chicago Blackhawks won the lottery, but there's a whole bunch of them that the league is psyched about, whether whether they want to admit it or not. Probably it's got a lot of commas, and there's a they dollar sign. Deny and there's that a dollar sign it. that starts. No, of course not. Well, uh, they, yeah, they don't. They don't have to. They, they, not, they don't, they don't aren't have to the Blackhawks like? Kind of the main reason the Blackhawks, I guess, in Montreal. Like, isn't that the reason that they went to that like 24 or whatever team? bubble playoff the one year it was just oh, transparent for sure. it was like we need the revenue what do you want us to do for sure like it's all in the game i do appreciate on most of the time i appreciate the league's total transparency in that in that in that regard right like they don't they're not they're not trying to pretend that they're anything other than what they are people were pissed at me by the way about like saying that about the blackhawks last week about being like i hey, no they should have they should have taken like take take a couple first round picks I got major pushback from that one dude in particular was like coming at me in the replies and I was just ignoring them. And then he, and then he DM me the same thing and was like, why haven't you said this before? Like this is well, like that is, Johnny I, come okay. lately. It's Here's I've said saying. it, I've said it before. And, I and know. this, this dude wanted me to comb through all of my million podcast appearances <laughs> over the last two years and tell me like, give me like a, give him like a timestamp moment where I was like, they should have taken multiple draft picks away from him. like, whatever they should have. I said it before. And even if I wouldn't have said it before, like people are like, this isn't something that came up regularly, right? We haven't been sitting yeah. here panicking over whether or, or freaking out over whether the Blackhawks would win the Bedard lottery. It just happened. It just happened for real. You don't have to have like priors on this. I don't I haven't, this guy truly wanted like evidence of me, you know, walking around with the sandwich board sign saying like dock the Blackhawks two or three first round picks. I'm like, sorry, that didn't happen, man. Like whatever. Yeah, no, my thing is I think it's, it's not true for you certainly, but I just mean there, there were plenty of people out there who I think were just looking for a way to in their mind say this shouldn't have happened. Right. And whether it was that or something, I'm not invalidating the, the anger, but I mean, there was a lot of revisionist, like, you know, for sure. I think his point of like, where was this like about the punishment when the punishment came down? He's not totally unwarranted. I get Doesn't it. mean it's not true though, you know? Right. And also like nobody owes, you know, listeners like this dude was, this dude was just demanding that I like that, that I go back and I'm like, dude, it's not, not happening. Um, okay. Who's next here? I like Harrison G's. Harrison G. What team is most likely to blow things up when they should quote unquote run it back? Most likely to blow things up when they should run it back. 
Alternatively, what team do you see running it back when they should really just blow things up? Oh, baby. Do you have an answer for this? All right. So I've been thinking about this. Are we going to get through this without talking about the Maple Leafs is probably the better question. Well, it just comes down to whether you think they're going to run it back. Because if they they do run it back, I think we can say that that's probably – we. They've done that too many times to do it again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Some, something I do think change. they're going to make a big change. So I don't think that that's, that's going to be the answer. I think... Uh, Just hold on. One, while we're talking about the Leafs, the one problem with them, the one big problem with them is that there's no magic bullet. There's no like single person, especially out of the core four, where you're like, this, this is the guy that needs to go. Like they all bring stuff to the table. They're all, you know... Some are more flawed than others, but none of these guys are, you know, very obvious problems. The issue is they just have too much money devoted to the four of them by themselves. And that's and that's what the problem is. That's what it was always going to be. And that's the thing that they're probably going to try to uh, remedy over the course of this, over the course of this offseason. I'm sure they so, would, I, like, would you trade, I would trade John Tavares if, if, if I could, if I were them. It's easier if said If you than could, and, and honestly, we're talking about Bedard and the Blackhawks. And we, last week we talked about, do they regret uh, showing Jonathan Taves the door, you know, so early. It, if Toronto wants it, Traveris would have to accept this. He's got the full no move. I kind of don't think he would accept this. But if you're the Blackhawks, would you help Toronto out of that problem and just say, hey, John Tavares, like you're coming to us. Connor Bedard, you live with John now. You, John's mm-hmm. on your wing. You know, that's not a bad situation for the Blackhawks. They got more That'd cap space than they're even going to be able to spend. Did you, just think deal. Did you just think of that or have people been talking about this? I've been talking about it for a couple of days. I don't know if the internet's oh, man, talking I about it yet. That. I, I think love it, it would be a no-brainer. I love it. Oh, I love it. You just stumbled on something great. Hell yes. If Toronto gets a hold of it, then everyone's going to talk about it. But, oh my God. You need but to I don't just, think Tavares would accept like, it. It's almost moot. You like, need to pitch this and write it before one of the Leafs guys actually actually realizes. <laughs> but he that wouldn't you accept said. it. That's the thing, right? It's like it, yeah, it's, it's it. dependent on the that's no move. Why, that's, why, that's why it's tough. He's got no move. <laughs> These guys sign this shit for a reason. You know? And that's, why, that's why you don't give them out all that often. Who should blow it up? But okay, so who, who's, who's. So the, the two teams that immediately come gonna to mind. Not, who's going to not blow it up? Are the Islanders mm-hmm. and the Penguins? Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I think the Penguins should capital B blow it up. I think they just probably should have done what it seemed like they might have done last summer, and then they didn't do that. I disagree with that. You do? I think I, I think bringing back those bringing back the big boys made sense. It was the cascading errors after that by Hextall that that doomed them. Those dudes, those dudes were good. They didn't lose because Malkin was excellent. There's no doubt about that. Crosby was unbelievable, but that was never a question. That's what I mean. Like, I don't yeah. ever mean like capital B. They had the chance. That's the that's the issue is that they had it is that they had the chance because of the work they did last off season, in particular. Ron Hexall had basically three different sets of chances to get the supporting cast right, and he blew yeah. all of them. You know. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, I and there's no way to know what's going to happen there because. Um, <laughs> they don't have a GM <laughs> or, or, or any, or any, uh, or any front office really. And I don't so, think it even necessarily has to be Crosby and Malkin blow it up. Right. But I, I probably would have let Latang. Brian, and I, I would not have made the move for Petrie. I would have kept mm-hmm. Marie. I mean, I'm just going to say all these things that sound obvious in hindsight, but no, I do believe that that was, that, that was the th- chance. Th- those are the things that they did that like, I was on board with bringing back Malkin and, and Latang. 
Yeah. That that made sense to me because of the deals that they signed. You got them for 75 cents or on, on the dollar, right? The issue is the issue is Petrie. The issue is maybe extending Brian Ross, like doing all this stuff where, you know, you lock yourself into this, yep. to, to this supporting cast. And that's, and that's going to be the interesting thing to see, but it depends on, depends on who they hire, who the hell knows. And now it's, and now it's the Islanders, right? Like they're, they're in a, you know, they're yeah. bringing, I, th- I think I saw a report Lamorello is going to extend. I mean, no shocker there, obviously, but like what is going to fundamentally push them forward? I guess you're just banking on full year of Barzell yep. Horvat is going to be it. You're thinking that Barzell Horvat, Anders Lee is gonna is gonna be you know is is gonna carry you because the other pieces, <sighs> what do you like? They're every they're like okay, we need to find a we need to find a taker for Josh Bailey. Like all this shit, it's just like are we we're still we're still doing this right? They're route, I mean, they're we just talked about Seattle. They, they were they were proto Seattle, right? Like three four yep. years ago, yep. but I don't know that they have. The, the, the age is taking effect here, and I don't know yep. if they can maintain this. Totally, and they don't have any easy route to clearing space or meaningfully improving. You know, like this is a team that just pulling up pulling up cap cap geek here. They're they're projected to have a their their cap hit is already over seventy seven million dollars, right? And you're. I'm sure they would like to bring keep Pierre Engvall. Like that's a guy they traded for that gave him decent minutes. You got to flesh out the rest of that roster. Zach Parisi's a UFA. He gave them he gave them big big minutes. Scott Mayfield. He's a he's a relevant player. They need a backup for Sorokin. So then it turns into like, how exactly is this team supposed to get better without fundamentally taking away from the stuff that's made them good? In the first place, and I don't, I don't, I don't see, I don't see how it happens. They're the answer there. Thank you, Harrison G. That was a very good question. Christopher B. Seems like some comments got deleted, but let me post again. Thanks for jinxing the Oilers, Sean. But please don't write about Vegas next. You're welcome, Christopher B. Happy to jinx the Oilers. Happy to jinx any Canadian team. Maybe that was my aim from the start. Frankly, um. We're not deleting comments. I'll say that. I mean, it's probably just a glitch. I mean, a couple weeks ago, we couldn't even find the comments because of the glitching. Oh my god! They, once once we actually got that from the right person, that thing got fixed very, very, very quickly. Maxi down goes the Leafs. Florida man takes out Canada's team. No more constant Leafs talk crammed down our throats. Says Michael K. Michael K. Uh, news for you, brother. The off season is young. <laughs> Is Michael K the one who's always dragging on Craig for going to Michigan State? That's right. Yeah. Uh, In Michael K specifically, like I said, we we have months worth of offseason shit coming up. So, bad news. The Leafs (laughs) talk. The Leafs talk never ends. Never. You will never escape it. That's why we try to minimize it here because it gives a shit, really. Alex R., as a Canadian crossing the DMZ to the comments section, I will support you guys and say I only listen to the show when I see an interesting guest and I can come back days later to listen to it. The non-timely portion of the show is the only reason I come here. Alex, that's fair. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. As long you. as you no, keep showing up. No matter what. That's all that matters. All right, Maxie, I think we're done here. Yeah. Um, before we get out, I wanted to just kind of note that Big day for hockey in Arizona. We'll see what people in Tempe decide to do as far as 
that arena project is concerned, lots of people across North America will be watching the results there. It'll be interesting. No matter what happens, shout out to the Coyotes fans because they do exist. I've heard some people doubt it sometimes, but there are people there that care about that team and care about the sport. Mm. Thinking of them today, right? Because this needs to end at some point. Hope it works out for them. Um, Maxi, I'm getting my show sheet in front of me. Wednesday. Rob Pizzo, Jesse Granger, and Michael Russo. Welcome Doug McClain to the roundtable on the Athletic Hockey Show. These guys are great. I had, I had some quality Jesse time over the last over the last couple weeks in Vegas. Great, great coworker. He's, a, he's an S tier coworker. Dude. Yeah, we love him. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Athletic Hockey Show on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash at sign the Athletic Hockey Show. Unfortunately, Craig Cousins returns next week. I guess probably it feels supposedly. Like it. Thanks to Keith Jones. He was great. We'll see what happens next for Philly. Thanks to you, Max Boltman. We love you, buddy. Love you, too. When's the... Uh, you have another show coming. So you take a break, and then you come back, right? It's, I think that's the score. Yeah, we got one We got one before too long here. I think there's a June, a June on the books. All right. Well, I'll talk to you then, and at no point between today and the moment we record. It's just how we roll. Next week's show... Just in, courtesy of producer Jeff, will be on Monday. It'll be me and Craig on Monday. We'll be the Monday boys. Hashtag Monday boys three Zs. Uh, I guess there's some Canadian holiday that day. Whatever. We'll see you then. Happy New Year. <laughs>